Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer, and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons, aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hey, I'm going to start with an apology because um, Richard asked me, when you record your intro, make sure you're somewhere where it's not windy and it's quiet. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's quite windy and I'm also out by a road, so I think I failed on both instructions, which leads me in turn to an apology to you because maybe this sounds really horrible in your ears. I'm sorry about that, but... Oh my goodness, I'm having one of those days where I'm just running around like an absolute lunatic all day. Um, I don't know what it is about... I've got birthdays this weekend, right? They're not surprises. A birthday comes around on the same day every year. And yet, I find myself always never really any more prepared each year. Um, I always get the basics sorted, but I leave a lot of things to the last minute and it's exhausting. I don't recommend it. So I'm walking home back to my house. I've already been out today to get extra helium. It's Sunny's 17th birthday today, and when I did the helium, the canister had only had a tiny amount in it, and I didn't know that. So the one was really brilliant and significant, and the seven just looked very sad. So it was like, 17. So I went to the party shop, and then I'm now walking back to the house with two cakes in a spinner bag. I used to bake cakes in the olden days, but quite frankly, I don't have enough time right now. So I've got some cakes, and then I just remembered that Ray, who is nine on Sunday, so that's only a day off, they have one day off, and then it's back into another birthday. He said, oh, can I have a How to Train Your Dragon and Harry Potter cake? So of course I was like, yeah. 
I think I pictured myself making some sort of fondant Harry Potter riding a dragon or something. But I'm not really going to do that. I'm not really that person. So now I've just seen what I can order on Prime. Oh, Richard is going to kill me. It is so noisy and so windy. It's a beautiful day. Oh, my God, it's so busy. Anyway, this is the last episode in this series. Woo! Pop some virtual champagne, why don't you? I think, I think this is actually really quite good. I've done 30 of these bad boys now, and I've loved it. Oh, my goodness, I've loved it. And check me out, I've even recorded the first one of the series four, because I'm that sort of podcast expert now. <laughs> um, anyway, this week's guest... Oh, what a lovely woman, Tina Crawford. One of only two people thus far to nominate themselves. Um, and ordinarily, you might think, well, you know, what's interesting about you, per se? But except that both people... Oh, I'm going through lots of noise now. All the schools are chucked out. Anyway, uh, she, she nominated herself, and she's one of two, and the other person to nominate herself was also an artist, and Tina is an artist. So I think maybe when you're an artist, there's part of you that just has to put yourself out there, even though afterwards she sort of said, oh, I actually ramble a lot, but she doesn't. She speaks a lot of sense. And I was really intrigued in talking to Tina. I just knew she'd be interesting. We first came to know about each other. Well, I first came to know about her in the here and now because she's been making free embroidery pieces in inter- sort of a reaction to lockdown. But actually, that is not the first time we met. We first met when I was 18 and she worked as a researcher on This Morning. You will hear more about this later. Oh, I'm walking past some beautiful blossom. Wow, that is gorgeous. Anyway, Tina had so much to talk about. She's a disabled mother and spoke about her disability and how her baby boy instinctively knew how to cling on to her in a way that he didn't cling on to his dad because he could sort of sense the limitations or the, the, I suppose the adaptations that were necessary for how they interacted in that way. Um, we talked about art. We talked about overcoming challenges. We spoke about what it's like to raise a precociously uh, bright child. Her boy has a very high IQ. Um, spoke quite loads of stuff. I really enjoyed her company and she brought over a birthday present of an embroidered vision of me. I have to say, she's rather wonderful. She looks better in her uh, leotard than I do. I really like her. I'll have to show you a picture of her. Anyway, we had a lovely chat and it was a really lovely way to finish this series. So thank you, Tina. Thank you to you. Sorry about the noise. Sorry about the wind. But, um, you know, it's just been one of those days. So thank you for walking me home with my two cakes on the actual birthday. I mean, am I ever going to get this stuff right? There are people out there so organised. They've booked restaurants in pubs, like, in the middle of May. Who are these people? I don't know them. I'm not that woman. But if you are, well done. You're, you're nailing it, quite frankly. I'm the sort of person who buys birthday cake on the birthday. Yeah, I'm the sort of person who doesn't make a fondant how to train your dragon riding a Harry Potter other way around. <laughs> Now that would be a birthday present. Anyway, thank you for lending me ears. See you another Sunday. Well, it's really nice to meet you. We haven't actually met in person before, no. although um, it might sound a little sinister. You have already dropped things off at my house. <laughs> I have. I have met you. I have met you 
very long time ago when you think you were doing your first performance with the audience for this morning. What? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I'd met you then. My first performance with the audience? Yeah. So I must have been like, I was like 18. Golly, that's so, crazy. I don't know. It was, it was, this, it was this morning. Um, I don't even so remember doing a, this morning with the a lo- long time ago. I remember it vividly because I can remember the I can remember the production notes. I think I put something and I got told off by Richard Mangley. One oh. of many times I got told off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's a lot to unpick here. Why did you get told off by Richard Mangley? Oh no, that's, that's just it. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't worry, we don't go into that. So I came in. What was I? Was it to do? Pessimist is never disappointed. Yeah, on one of those. Oh. Yeah, um, that was it. The production notes because I'd written. I've already forgotten it the wrong way round. Did I write er uh, or the? Oh. And he said, which is it? And I think I, because I got, yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, we had I silly... Just got, I'm dyslexic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get off my case, mate. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we did have a lot of very uh, sort of idiosyncratic song titles and everything. So I think you wouldn't be the, the most annoying thing probably for most people with with my band, my first band, was the fact that the audience was spelt as all one word. that was another one. Because I'd missed missed the space. No, I hadn't missed the space. Yeah, you'd written it like a normal person. And then I think I got a, you haven't, you've written, I hadn't missed, I'd written it how you'd written it without the space in. And I think I got this, what have you done this? And it was probably within the first month of working there, so it was just like literally everything was just like... Yeah. Well, it was a silly way to spell the, the band name, so... Um, slightly but then if you spell it correctly how it's meant to be, if you spell it like that and then yeah. you get in trouble for it and then yeah, you're just yeah, like that's enough. how it's don't blame me that's how they spell it <laughs> so anyway well, yes I'd make so you. did we did we speak then um, I was a researcher so I'd sort of come you seem quite scary and scary really quite tall well I was to be honest I was just <laughs> anybody over five foot five scares than I've had me half the time <laughs> that's interesting I, I think I was probably scared rather than scary came in, across in as real quite life aloof, I think oh, I used to get that a lot around those days but I think I think that era it's interesting um, because I was looking back at all that time in my life um, recently because I've been writing a book so I've been looking back and I think that time for women in music was really quite, it was quite hardcore. Yeah, yeah. So you had to kind of keep your guard up quite a lot. I'm not saying, you know, there's never any, I hope I wasn't rude or anything. No. I think I just was quite guarded, really, because um, I reread some of the interviews and things like that, and the way that I was written about, or women are written about, it's just yeah. pretty shocking, really. It definitely is something I don't think people would things do have now. Changed. Yeah, things have definitely changed quite a bit. But also I think... Um, from things that I've worked in, it's almost like the younger ones that come in. Mm. It's always there is a different attitude to when somebody's you know just at the start of it. Oh God, yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's it's, the worst. It's, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's yeah, true. Yeah. That's always the ones where it's the biggest problems because you're so you know you're, you're thinking you're thinking that there's a way you're supposed to act to yeah. make it all happen. Yeah, and being sort of like friendly smiley like high-fiving people yeah. makes you feel like they'll probably it's a bit just like, like a kid why are you being invited this? to like the grown-ups table isn't exactly it? it's just that well you're acting how you think it's supposed to work not actually how you are but yeah it was interesting i mean it's a lifetime ago it's just it's, it's just an absolute i know working for me was just all of that was just that's a different person yeah and yeah. i'm trying to get that back oh that's interesting I'm trying to get that me back because i'm thinking it's there isn't it Okay, so you felt like there was, there's a difference in how you felt then. Well, I mean, I feel different about yeah. how I was then too, but I don't yeah. really want that version of the aloof one. Well, there's, there's a lot. I don't taller by all counts as well. One, <laughs> one, one thing that I've kind of noticed, and for me, it's, it's not 
just it's not having a child that's done it because for 21 years now I've basically been ill so I was kind of like disabled basically for this time mm-hmm. and I had to give up work suddenly so I was working on something at BBC and collapsed they sent me home in a cab that was that was it there wasn't oh, wow. kind of gradual and it was I was still getting phone calls whilst it was still going on because obviously um and um it's t- it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that that's gone mm. I mean like over 10 years it took me a long long time I still kept thinking that I've got that life yeah and it's such a change it's it's such a change to kind of like go from this which I loved I'd wanted to work in tv since I was 15 and I was so lucky to work on the programs I wanted to work on Mm. I was just so 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 lucky and then to suddenly have everything kind of taken away basically kind of it, it, it it's a similar what we've had in lockdown it's a similar thing that everybody's mm. just suddenly had that ripped away but um for me it just took yeah it just took a long time because I think when you do something especially work when you work in the media you also have that feeling of that sometimes your friends are kind of it, there's a lot of superficialness around it mm. there's a lot of people that are only a kind of interested in that in that side of it so you kind of lose that well I'm not interesting now am I I've got nothing got absolutely nothing what have I got now I literally just lie on the sofa watching programs I used to work on Mm. and you think where's the old me gone are they still there I don't know then you become a parent and then you become somebody else (laughs) well I think as well when you're if you're doing something you're passionate and you enjoy then I think no matter what forum you're in if you're suddenly not doing that thing anymore Especially at that time in your life. So presumably yeah. this is in your 20s, is it? Yeah, I think I had just... Yeah, late 20s. So late 20s, I just got married. And then maybe I'm, we always joked and said, am I allergic to marriage? Because about six months in, <laughs> got married in February and then the, the June, it kind of like, it, something happens. And um, yeah, yeah, it took... It, but it's, it's, it's made me a better person. Without a doubt, all of that has made me you know, a better person. I think the old me was really confident in my work. Mm. The old me, I knew I was good at it. I was good at what I did mm. and I enjoyed it. And, but I wasn't confident in myself. Mm. Whereas now I'm better with myself, not so much confident with my work, but I'm more confident with just being me. So it's just a, which is better. I'd rather be confident with me, I suppose. And do you think, in a, did any of it, prepare you better do you think for that you said your life changes again when you become a parent yeah. do you think that did it sort of give you any um sort of help with that transition it kind of didn't it didn't because I think what then happened was you've got a baby and then it trans then you suddenly turn I hope I wasn't too bad at this you suddenly it's all consuming and then you become that mum you become the one that all you've got is your child and nothing else you've got none of yourself and I was trying to avoid that, but you don't... You can do your best, can't you, to try and avoid it. You just don't know. Mm. And friends will probably say, yeah, you were really boring. And, just, and now you're I'm still... Sure really, and, and Toby's 13 and you're still... T- <laughs> no, I don't think it's boring. I think, I think it's just... I think that feeling of, like, feeling a bit homogenised, like, all the... Your individuality is a bit knocked off because you're sort of suddenly responsible for this other person. You feel like that 
you're just so defined by that small person it's very hard to it's like it's really easy to feel like you've just lost yourself in it it is but then what the one thing that I do think about having a child is you learn from them who you are and that's the part that I find the bad bits and the good bits he I've learned so much from him just Mm. by being him kind of like it's such a mirror when you see them do something that you think when something happens and he just goes, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then I just think, oh, God, that's my, it's me, isn't it? And then you have to rein that in. But equally, when you see a sort of lack of cotton, you think, okay, you've got that from me. But then there are good bits as well. But it teaches you more so than any other friendship or partnership or any other relationship. I think a child really does teach you who you are. So I value that. So when he was born, so just so I get a bit of a chronology, so you... You'd done art when you were young. Yeah, so I I did an art degree, so I went to art college. But the the, the short version is when I was 14, 15, I really wanted to work in TV. So I did used to lie about my age. I did used to get running jobs. I was obsessed with Network 7, which was on Channel 4. And I used to go up there every Sunday. And I thought, this is what I want to do. I used to watch, this is exactly what I want to do. This is it, this is it. Got running jobs, kind of like part-time. And then I came from a family that was, you kind of left school and you were meant to get a job. It wasn't, a degree was a real luxury. So I had to really fight for doing a degree. My parents didn't want me to do it. There was a big argument about it. um, And I got to do it. But I was, had no idea what I was going to do after. I just thought, I'm just thinking about this these three years. This, yeah, so in St. Martin's, yeah. So I did, um, did jewellery there. I hate jewellery. But um, <laughs> it was... I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I love jewellery. I really hate jewellery. But it was, to me, it was just like mini sculptures. So I thought, mm. I mean, my jewellery was... My jewellery was just mini sculptures and toys. Um, and Sounds then... Cool. Yeah, so that that kind of like was how it went like that it's literally just how my mind works that's how my life is <laughs> like all over. stick a pen in something stranded <laughs> in jewelry i'm gonna do that now but yeah i i think i must have been really feisty to have done it because i think i look back and i just think i don't know how i fought to get that mm. that didn't come whereas my husband obviously came from a background that that was the dumb thing so you in art as well, no? No, 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 but just kind of like going to university. It's quite oh, interesting see. having that. You've got fa- some families that just expect it of you. Yeah. And some families that just think, why are you wasting mm. your life? Um, so, yeah, it's just, I can't imagine what it's like to have had that encouragement mm. to go. But some people might think it's a forced. I know some friends of my sons and I just look at their families and I just think, oh, you know, if you didn't want to go to university, I don't know what that's going to be like. You're probably yeah. going to have the same aggro that I had for going, yeah, I suppose. Sorry, tangent. Well, no, no, it's all right. I think sometimes as well, if you come from a family that are thinking, "Why are you doing that?" There's, there's a kind of nice feeling of sometimes rebellion feels quite good, doesn't it? Just to go and do something and be a bit selfish and be like, "Actually, no, I really want to go to art school." Where you pro- yeah. presumably there are a lot of similar characters there of people going, "I'm just going to do my own thing." Yeah, I think so. Think it, it makes you really sure of if you have to fight for something. It's, it's very different to just waltzing into it. That kind of fight for it has, um, it kind of is made, it has made me the way that I am and it makes the art that I make, I think. Mm. Um, and I find it, 
kind of weird when I see some the trouble with the trouble with um, artists. I'm getting into trouble now. The trouble with a lot of artists is a lot of them come from really, really, really wealthy backgrounds, and you know, pulp's common. Um, pulp's you know, common people basically was written because that's that's what it's like. Yeah, there's an awful lot of people like that, and um, I find that quite hard because I. You know, even now, kind of struggling in, and I see the ones that, yeah, that's great. You've got all that, but and you've got the contacts, and you can do that. Mm. And art isn't about getting being successful in art, depending on what you define success. If you define success as getting somewhere with it and uh, having your name known, that doesn't have anything to do with talent. Mm. It's got a tiny bit to do with talent, but I still think you could be pretty useless and have the right contacts. And you will get somewhere. Yeah, well, I think any aspect of art and commerce has got grey areas. It's a bit like those, um, what are those, uh, what are they call those diagrams where you've got the two circles and they cross over? Venn, Venn diagram, diagram yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, you've got the bit in the middle where you've got the talent, the talented yeah. people. And then you've got bits on either side where there's a bit of smoke and mirrors, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. it's like, um, that Empress New Clothes thing, yeah. you know, if everybody's looking at something, art is subjective and people don't always feel that they have been taught how to feel good about the, their natural response to yeah. something. You're sometimes true, thinking yeah, you've yeah. got a learned response yeah. to it too and look at something and think, well, I, I think this, but then someone can go, well, actually, if you look here and there's yeah. this context and you think, oh, okay, that's quite highbrow and I didn't get that, so yeah. I'm a bit daft, so I'll say now, oh, I can see that yeah. and I, 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 can, I can comprehend that this is a good piece of art. Um, plus, I guess a little bit like like music, you know. Sometimes people say, "Oh, when you look back at the, you know, the older days, there's so many great songs that come out of it, and look at the charts now." And I'm like, "Yeah, but history's done us the benefit of sifting through. Yeah. It'll go right. Here's the '60s. Yeah, sift through everything. There would have been reams of rubbish too, yeah. <laughs> and then you get just get left with the good stuff at the end. And it's yeah. a similar thing with art, isn't it? Where yeah, you get anything kind of sort of with some sort of creativity, isn't it? I mean, like, yeah, with music, I mean, you get so much that was just manufactured. And at the time, you can criticise it, but actually you can look back and go... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can have a lot of guilty pleasures. Yeah. From stock cake in the morning. It's all coming out. <laughs> so after you've done your... Has art been something that... Because I suppose we should talk about how I do Sorry. know you now, yes. which is through these amazing creations you do with, um, how would you call it, sort of free, free stitching, free embroidery? It's free, it's free motion embroidery. Okay. Free, free embroidery. I say free embroidery and people think I'm actually just giving a lot, away a lot of work, which sometimes I do. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's free motion embroidery. It's basically, it's drawing with the sewing machine. Okay. So it's not all that I do, but it's the main kind of, um, it's an easy tool I guess for social media in a way because mm-hmm. you have to have your social media artist side and then you have to. Oh, that's interesting. Side. So it's not that the, you have lots of different because that's the thing I know mainly. Yeah, from. it's well, it's mainly because that translates so well for social media, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like that that works. I do do things that don't involve any stitching at all. <laughs> um, um, but drawing with the sewing machine is something I love, and writing with the sewing machines are just kind of like my thoughts. I'm dyslexic, and it's almost just kind of like I feel like my thoughts can come out a lot better from my head to my hands. Mm. There's something that it's a little bit more connected, so I don't have... It's like it's not really happening, I can say it, and it's a bit like being possessed. Yeah, I can understand that's that. What, I don't know, I'm assuming that's what being possessed is. <laughs> do know. your eyes roll back? <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you do... But I know you are saying about the social media aspect, but it seemed 
from my, my point of view that for the last year it became a really good way of getting out some of the feelings oh. and thoughts of what's been going on. Yeah, so for me, the beginning of lockdown, I knew I wanted to make a piece of art. I thought I knew I wanted to make a big piece of art and for me, and I wanted to do something that was obviously based around what we were going through. And I think because I had the benefit of um, being almost like my my own personal lockdown, which was when I became disabled. And I kind of thought, everybody's going to have this. Everybody's going to have a feeling of, hang on a minute, I've been robbed of something. And well, you, it, Sorry, you thought that at the beginning lockdown. of the lockdown? Yeah, and I kind of thought, this will be interesting. This will be really interesting. So I acted really, really quickly, and I put out a call on social media, mainly on Twitter, and just said, can you send me a photo of your lockdown moment? And I thought there was going to be a lot of quite miserable stuff mm. because a lot of people are going to be moaning about this. And actually what I got was just lovely. I had, you know, cooking with your children. I had, you know, just gardening. Really, really basic stuff mm. that was lovely. And I started stitching them. And then I just decided, hang on a minute, we've all been it was it's really corny but it, we've all been connected because mm. of this so it's yeah, like connected massively. by a thread brilliant so i kind of drew each image that came to me and then i kept the thread going and then did the next one so literally every picture was connected because i thought we've all been connected mm. and i just i i found it a real privilege to have this little window into everybody's little moments and some were just I mean, my favourite one, which you couldn't make this up, was somebody that basically said that they were divorced and in lockdown, they're, and similar to me, so late 40s, their boyfriend from when they were 16 got in touch and they've been Zooming and they've been together. Oh, wow. And he'd sent, he'd made her a necklace and the picture was like the necklace. Um, But I just thought, would that have happened? without that kind of focus with that effort, probably not and I just thought it was just lovely so these little moments are brilliant and obviously there was so many people that had put um kitchen disco in so then that's how I reached kind of like reached out you know that's how you saw it because it was yeah um he did one of Ray my eight-year-old just as spider-man with horse's head yeah halfway up the window yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, and that was obviously quite early into the disco as well, because it would have yeah. been, um, you know, because some people, when I was saying it, they were thinking, what was it like? Um, whereas mm. now I think a lot of people would probably sort of maybe know, know a bit more describing it. So, yes, that was the first. Yeah, so that's yeah. how we sort of came to know each other in this part of our lives anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, no, I was really struck by it, and I think, I think there's so much... Ch- I mean, obviously there's loads of talent, and I can really see... The, um, the way you can see the images sort of emerge out of this scribble of threads <laughs> is extraordinary. And there's so much detail. Um, so the one you delivered here yeah. is, um, is not Ray the Horse's Head one because that's part not. of your big piece. Yeah. So you did another one from the sort of last disco of the yeah, first from, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I kind of was... what It was really lovely because I was watching it and whilst I was watching... I didn't necessarily... Really, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just thought I wanted to... I wanted to kind of make a piece that was a bit of a reminder of it. Mm. So I kind of not just stitched you and how many heads there was. And it's, some <laughs> of it you can make out, some of it you can't. But also, like, the numbers going up. Yeah. You know, which I thought was lovely in little quotes and bits and pieces because um, it really was something that I... Th- 
it you know it, it did touch an awful lot of people it, it really did I think it was a little bit of something that we all look forward to certain things in lockdown that everyone a lot of people look forward to say kitchen disco and Grayson's art club and yeah so, you know there were little touches that we thought they were made something because it was you couldn't have had those things without lockdown mm. so it suddenly made lockdown really positive and I think we need that we need to we need to kind of like um, separate COVID from lockdown. You can, yeah. I mean, I, I love lockdown. I, I can say it, but I think there's a point where people think you can't like that because it's been so tragic. And it's just like, you can like that time yeah. and separate it from, you know, COVID, I think. Oh, yeah, you can definitely say the things about it that have, have yeah. worked for you. I think that's yeah. that's fine. I know what you mean. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, I think people do need to let themselves off the hook a bit with making it sound like they're thinking pandemics are brilliant. You know, it's, like, it's definitely not, yeah. not that at all. It's just that if you're going to find yourself in an unexpected, tilted place, um, it's quite good if you can draw out a few things that have brought you joy. And a lot of them, yeah. are, as, you know, are, as you say, little things, really little things. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So when you were started with this lockdown yeah. piece, so this is all while you're living at home with your husband yeah. and your kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what does your son think of what you've created? How oh, involved he, is he with what he you do? He loved it. And he he's kind of like my biggest, he is my biggest cheerleader, but he's all, I mean, he's pretty much... He's kind of like my biggest muse, really, because he just comes out with stuff and it just makes me feel proud of myself that, A, that I produce that, but also <laughs> just he does help with ideas. So he was really positive. So when I had moments where I just thought... I didn't think... I, I was doing it for me, so I was just doing it. 
Um, but then when it came to the end of it, I like to then just hide in the corner and not do very much. So whether it's a piece that you think you want exhibited or you want sold, I just want to make the work and I don't really want to do anything with it. Mm. But I had interest quite early on from museums about it. And I partly kind of like just wanted to hide and think I can't do this side of it. I can't do the promotional side mm. at all. And that's my past work. That is all like, that's pretty much what I was doing. So it's just like try and grab a bit of it. And um, uh, it's finally, it has been bought, it's gone to the Science Museum, so it's in their permanent collection. Amazing. So, um, which is lovely. And it's really lovely that everybody took part to say, You're, there's a little part of you that's in there, which is really nice. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. It's such an institution as well, the Science Museum. Yeah. So, I mean, that's great because my commercial side of the business, of my work, which is Toby Boo, which is I do... It, that's when I do mainly the drawings mm-hmm. because then they get put onto giftware for museum and heritage shops, pretty much. That obviously came to a standstill, so no money from that. So it was just kind of like, OK, my business is suddenly gone and I don't know when that's going to come back up. So to actually be able to concentrate solely on my art and make money from my art has just been like, this is exactly what I want to do. Mm. This is exactly what I want to do. Well, that's amazing. I mean, I was wondering, when you said at the beginning that lockdown happened and it gave you this almost instinctive thing of, ah, this is familiar to me. I had this when I had this, what sounds pretty cataclysmic time when you became disabled, lost your work. And again, with becoming a mum. So... Do you think part of you as well has sort of taken something from all these stories and the simplicity of what people have actually chosen to celebrate and a way to kind of be a bit... Has it sort of helped you at all, do you think, with looking back to those times? And Yeah, I think I felt it. I had enough time kind of to go through it to think I can see the positives. Mm. I can completely... I'm, I feel really lucky that I actually became ill because I'm a better person for it and I can see life completely... I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have my family if I didn't get ill. Because if I'm really honest, if I stayed in my old career, which was television, the likelihood is that I would have just got so sucked in, probably wouldn't been around very much. Probably getting Toby was a seven year struggle with IVF. (laughs) Wouldn't have done any of that. That Mm. wouldn't have happened. So I can see lots of sliding door moments. And I think it has made me... I can get very miserable, but in general, trying to look at positives of every little moment, that's what being ill taught me, I think. Um, because you you kind of have to, to be from... I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've suffered with depression and I know the signs, so I don't really... I kind of dig myself out before... I've managed, so far, touch with, um, managed to do that. So I just think these little things that you need to sort of, the little things you need to kind of like look at and go, that's brilliant, that's wonderful, and concentrate on that. Yeah, and I guess for um, for Toby, he didn't really know that, that version of you. He's no. only known you since, since yeah. all that's happened. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what's weird is now now when he sort of hears about things, it's just kind of like, really? Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. You did that. That's amazing. Um, and it's really lovely because it makes me look back and think, God, actually what I did was actually really good and I was good at my job and I had was a part in that programme and that was really good. Um, and I'd forgotten about it because then you turn into a zombie when you're a mum. And I had really bad postnatal depression, so I really was like, mm. um, and my husband had postnatal depression as well. I'm off on tangents again, aren't I? Um, 
and now he is seeing he's he is now seeing little bits of me come back i think but in a, it's like filtered through to something better yeah and i think that's that's the thing isn't it it's just i want to grasp that but i don't want the really bad parts of that i want you know i want some of my own life just not the shit parts well it sounds as well <laughs> like you and your husband are amazingly resilient to have been through so many different yeah different things I mean, together I, like that i'm i am really my i'm unbelievably lucky to have um the husband that i have he is just he couldn't be more amazing i mean there's that he's he there isn't anything and it sounds awful it doesn't i don't like it because it sounds like i'm really going i've got the best husband uh, <laughs> <laughs> i've got it i've got the best husband um but he he is he's just been absolutely amazing throughout i mean how we got through all the stuff we got through and still you know adore each other basically is and enjoy each other's time and you know, it's amazing because we've been married for 21 years. We've been together for, I don't know, 24, 25 or something. Anyway. <laughs> long time. <laughs> long, yeah, it feels like a long time, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I say thank you, Dave, for putting up with me. Although I probably won't let me listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I think if Richard, my husband, didn't edit my podcast, he wouldn't make it through any of mine either. <laughs> Um, and I once put a message in at the end of one of my podcasts for my manager, just in case he ever heard it, to say that if he does hear it, I'll buy him whatever he wants from Amazon. <laughs> He's literally, I'm still waiting, Derek. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe Dave will listen in. Um, what? So you? I didn't realise you had seven years waiting to have your baby. That's oh, a long time. Yeah. So yeah, that was hard. That was. I kind of erased quite a lot. I've actually erased the first year of his existence anyway because the first year was awful. Postnatal depression was horrible. Dave and I had it. He had it actually for longer. Um, and it was... Yeah, it was... <laughs> I just don't even like thinking about it. There was one of the things that... Um, when he did come along... Tangent again. When he did come along, there were, he cried a lot... And obviously we didn't know the reason. So we, one of us would have Toby, the other one would have the cat because the cat would be crying quite a lot. <laughs> so we'd literally be like this, both of us. And <laughs> there, were two, there were two CDs that we'd have on and one of them was the Feeling album. Oh, really? And he calmed down to it. And I hadn't listened to it since because I found it really hard. And I put, was explaining to him the other day about it. And I put it on and I instantly just started crying. Aww. Instantly I put on, you know, it, it was just the, the, the emotion that was still there. He's 13 and it's still, it just completely pulled. And um, it was, it was a horrible time. And we were warned about it because he was IVF, because it was seven years. They said, they did warn us and say, you are likely to have um alone because you've been wanting this for so long okay and the one thing that we found we couldn't tell people was when we found it hell it was really hard because everybody around us was saying your life must be perfect and over the moon because you've wanted yeah. this for seven years and then it comes along you can't moan about it you can't then say 
this is just awful, please, I, I can't deal. Because everyone around you is so pleased for you. Yeah, it's so, like the happy ending, isn't it? Yeah, your life, this is it, this is what you've wanted. So you really, you know, it's like a kid, isn't it, getting a toy and then, well, I used to do that a lot quite as a kid anyway, but <laughs> get something that's, I don't want it. <laughs> um, but it's it's it was like that. And then I did find that every six months it got better. But that seven-year struggle which was, we were really lucky. It was third go of IVF. We were really, 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 really lucky. Really lucky. But um, anybody, I just feel for them. Absolutely just feel for them because it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a horrendous time that when I look back, kind of like the sort of, I mean, I'd, I'd lost friendships through it because I couldn't be friends with people that had kids. I had a lot of... <laughs> friends at the time that had kids well this is before you had a baby or just even just yeah no 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 yeah so when we so in that in the seven years of trying I just I couldn't be around people that had kids and I can remember this sounds awful but I've spoken to some women that were in the same position and they said exactly the same thing that you're almost you actually want you're almost thinking please just let me have a miscarriage because you know then that your body can get pregnant and that sounds awful because you just think nobody in their right mind. But at the time, when you think this is never happening, you think, just give me a glimmer of something. Mm. Just give me a glimmer. That's hope, I suppose. So when, yeah, exactly. So when you've got nothing, you just think this is never going to happen. And then, and oh, you know, the odds of something happening were so slim because I then found out that my body was riddled with endometriosis and I was incredibly lucky that we had him. He was emergency C-section. That's another story because we nearly lost him. Um, uh, and then had to have operations after afterwards to kind of sort me out. <laughs> That's all right, don't I? <laughs> it's honestly not that scattergun. I, I, I think also, it, it, this is what happened. I these things you. are really com- <laughs> yeah, but you know what? These things are really complicated. And when you start to go back yeah. to these things, especially things you don't normally think about or talk about for a really long time, yeah. and you think, oh, golly. And what I'm hearing as well is that you had huge amounts of medical support, conversations, interventions mm. to try and assist you to becoming parents. Yeah. And then there's that bit where you bring that baby home and you're saying like oh now yeah. what and it's like someone's just pulled away that safety yeah net. and you look at other people and they're sitting there smiling with their babies and yeah. you think how are they feeling like that I don't think I'm in that position I don't think I'm going to get to that place I just feel really isolated I think it's just it's just a shock it's like such a massive it is, shock but there's, it also doesn't help that so many mums more so than dads so many mums there's so much lying I mean, I went to like I went to a postnatal um, NHS group. Um, I did, you know, there was like an NCT one and and there was an NHS one, and the NHS one we literally we sat around and everybody was saying it was he was thirteen, twelve or thirteen weeks. Everybody was saying, "Oh, it's just amazing! It's just..." And but you could see in their faces they weren't thinking that. Mm. But because one person starts saying it, and it got to me, I must have been near the end. And I just said, these are the worst weeks I've ever had. This is the worst time of my life. And the sigh from so many women was just... And then afterwards they said, thank God you said it. It's just like, <laughs> but why, are we, why is nobody saying it? Why does nobody say I'm sure that there must be some people that think it's amazing. But those first six months, I, 
I can't for the life of me see how, how they're good for anyone. I also think maybe just because it is so significantly hard for so many people, if you yeah. are one of the ones that feel lucky enough to feel like that, it's probably probably quite tactful to, to dial it down a little actually if you are fine some people yeah. I'm sure there are people out there that just go this is all good but because it can knock some people sideways in such a huge way yeah maybe just it's, it's not always helpful to hear that no I mean it's like I mean a lot of people talk about obviously breastfeeding anguish which was just I didn't have much of a choice because I could do a couple of weeks and then I had to go back on my meds I was in a really bad way I had to go back on my meds um, and I had a letter from my my professor at the hospital to say, under no circumstances should you be breastfeeding. And yet there were still people around me that were saying, that's nonsense. You should still... It was just... I mean, luckily... So odd. Luckily, I was strong enough to just kind of like think, I don't have a choice. I'm not bothered. I don't have an issue. Yeah. Some people really feel like it's... And I just kind of think, I've had a go of it, it's fine. Got, got the general gist. <laughs> Um, but, you know, what I loved, I really, I really loved that, you know, remember feeding him with the bottle and you could just really look at his face. And I just thought that's just, yeah, I love that. That's really, that's lovely. I didn't have any, I didn't have any, what's it, but I've got a lot of friends that they had problems with breastfeeding or they really felt awful because they couldn't. And I just think I really wish that we could just take that away. Oh, so do I. Nobody should have any. If you want to do it, do it fine. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. I agree. Well, you're not, you cannot go walk into a room full of adults and be like, I can tell from here which ones are breastfed. It's just, oh, it's just, <laughs> it's just, it just doesn't sustain as a, as a bonus, does it, for life? No. And funnily enough, actually, out of all my friends, Toby's the only one that wasn't. Uh, and he's the only one that, out of a lot of them, when they were babies, didn't have any allergies. <laughs> There you go. Make of that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> so were you using your art as, at any point to get through these these events? When all you, of it, yeah, yeah, all the time, all the time. It was just different kind of ways. So just before he was born, I was kind of... I When did I do the course? So what happened was, I when I first got ill, that's when I did an adult education course in free embroidery or embroidery. That's mm. when I learnt it amazing women that were just incredible I learned loads of well no they tried to teach me loads of techniques which I couldn't do so mm. I had to make up my own um, <laughs> that was the only trouble um, I tried to do what they did they did really neat amazing work and I was thinking I can't do that so what's, where does free embroidery come from and what's the, what's the what were they doing with it then just making I don't know whether it was I think it might have been a part of it or whether it was just an embroidery course because there was hand embroidery which I can't but is free embroidery sometimes it's a thing. used? I'm not quite okay. sure. I mean, it's been it's probably been been going as long as you could do. You could take the thing off a sewing machine and you could do it. I don't mm. think there's definitely nothing new about. It. There has been a surge now where there's an awful lot of people doing it. But it's a little bit like saying when people say, "Oh, they do the same as you." It's like saying to a painter, "Oh, that's you know." It's just, it's just <laughs> I've seen someone else using brushes, by the or, way. Uh, <laughs> person they they, they sing uh, <laughs> it's yeah it's, it's kind of a weird one I think yeah it was probably a bit less used but now it's just used quite a lot and mm. it just happens to be the medium that I like because of the speed of it it can kind of keep up with my brain and do you find that better than just doing it like if you were doing like a Hate free to, yeah I don't with a pencil uh, yeah 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 because um I'm thinking if I've got a pen or a pencil it's almost like I'm thinking with the machine, I feel like it's just coming straight out. 
Mm. So there's a lot more interesting texts that I... There's a lot more kind of interesting stuff that comes when I stitch rather than I think. So when I've got any, I wonder why it's different for you with the pencil, because you'd think yeah. that would be a similar because you actually, extension. Yeah, I suppose so. But there's something that I'm actually conscious of it. So you're editing it and you're thinking, yeah. oh, I can't say that. Whereas I've got a lot of pictures with text and the text really does come from here. It really yeah. does come from my heart because it literally just spills out yeah but i couldn't do that with a pen or a pencil do you think brush. as well it's a bit more adrenalized because you've got the like the actual sort of sensation yeah you have to keep moving the machine yeah you exactly. have to keep moving so maybe it's that maybe it's you don't have time to think whereas when you've got a pencil in your hand you're thinking exactly the pace is different yeah yeah you have to move and it's quiet with a pencil as well so it's a bit more maybe a bit more sort of reflective yeah introspective yeah. whereas with the machine it's like it sort of feels like a real forward motion it is it's kind of like you're in a car you have to go mm. or something I don't know I don't drive so I don't know <laughs> and that is how cars go don't worry <laughs> that's, that's what they get, that's what they do isn't it I don't know no you can stay still with the car it doesn't make any sense wind, it's like a wind up car that when you wind it up you can kind of hold it back but it does need to go off yeah that yeah, yeah. makes a lot more sense okay yeah I know that feeling that tension <laughs> it's gonna go it's gonna go <laughs> yeah yeah, those ones, pullback ones. Yeah, them. I don't know, pullback cars. Um, so it's kind of weird. Um, it's, yeah, it, 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 I mean, I do, I've, I've, I've kind of gone back to painting. I haven't painted for years. And then Dave bought me some oil, how the he bought me oil paints for um, Christmas. And I was thinking, I really don't want to use oil paints. But I've actually really enjoyed painting. Mm. And then now I'm combining, you know, more combining the two and um, just experimenting and stuff. So, yeah. And when, just to go back to the, the sort of motherhood bit, mm. when you've spent that long just wanting to have a baby, yeah. did you have, has it surprised you what kind of mother you turned out to be or do you think that it kind of is pretty much what, what you imagine on oh, the other God. side? I did, you know what, it's really weird. I didn't, I'm not sure I did. I'm not sure I did imagine what I'd be like. My biggest thing was I don't want to be like my mum. And sometimes when you've got, a really awful relationship with your parent, especially your mother, um, I think it actually helps probably more so than having a really good one because I haven't got that feeling of I want to be like them, which I've got a lot of friends that they love their mum so much and they just really want to be like that. Whereas to me, I just think I just need to be the complete opposite and hopefully that will... <laughs> Hopefully that'll that'll help. So I just want to. Uh, I just, as far as I'm concerned, I just really want to be there for him. My sister said one thing when when he when he was really little, and she said, "You've got four years. You've got four years, and once they go off to school, that's it. You've got those four years." Mm. And I kind of didn't really get it. And Four I, years what, in terms of just that, that's the time? In terms of having that time with them, in terms of really wow, having so something. <laughs> it is, but I, I kind of get it. I, yeah. I do get what she means. I wasn't in a position to go back to work anyway. Mm. My mum went back to work when I was three months, because mm. she had to. We've never... And did mum have quite a traditional job? She was a secretary, so... And that was kind of everything... That was everything to her, and I've... I'm. I'm not saying. Oh, if you if you're if you're work if you're working, you you can't. I know plenty of friends that work and have a have a bond with their 
um, children, but it's not automatic. You have to work at it. it you, you don't automatically have something with your child. You do have to work for it. And um, I learned a lot from having a mum that wasn't what anybody should have, I suppose. And she didn't have a great time of it either, so it kind of like goes on. Mm. Um, I had a fantastic relationship with my dad, but he passed away four years ago. And I would like to pick up traits from him. Um, but yeah, I knew how not to do it. I, I can remember back. And I think the thing is that sometimes when you become a parent and everybody's there to give you advice, you don't need advice because you don't need to have had a child to be a parent. You need to remember what it was like for you. Mm. And that's what people don't do. They're so busy thinking about this one's doing it this way. They're not thinking, hang on a minute, I was a child. What was it like? <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, I find the schools thing is ridiculous when mm. people kind of go a bit bonkers about schools and you just think, can you not look back at your life and realise, was school the be-all and end-all? Mm. Does it really matter? Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, I just think people are a bit nuts for not looking back at their own life. No, that's actually a really, really good point. I think it sort of probably goes back to that feeling in the NCT group of the sort of comparison thing. I'm just thinking, yeah. what stage should I be up, yeah. be up to? What are my peers doing? How am I yeah. doing this? And, oh, I've screwed that up and I'm going to do that. And also, I suppose, parenting, where the emphasis is and how we talk about it and what's discussed, that, that shifts over the years as well, generationally. Yeah. The things we're being encouraged to think about and how we're encouraged to raise our kids and the generation gap is yeah. different to how it was with our parents, very different to how it was with theirs. Yeah. It's got, you know, smaller over the years. But So I think um, you're right there. We've all been the small person yeah. working out what, what was really good for us and what wasn't. And actually, I think that what you said is really, really special when you're saying about if you have a a parent that doesn't leave you that map of like, oh, I want to be just like my mum. I really like the way you flipped it and said it actually was made it so that all I had to do was be different and Mm. I was doing what what felt right. Um, And actually there is a pressure, isn't there, if you've got parents who you think have done a brilliant job and you think, okay, all I need to do is get that right. And obviously you've blocked out loads of bits where you probably, you know, didn't get on with your mum or didn't get on with your dad or this went wrong or they... It's just rose tinted. I can yeah. see that there's. I, I've got quite a few friends. I can sort of see that almost like rose tinted glasses, mm. and they're not just think, you know they're trying to do that. Whereas, yeah, I do. I do. It's again. It's it's that whole thing of trying to see a benefit to something that wasn't that great. Mm. Um, you know, I mean the whole yeah the whole thing of kind of parenting is just it's it's not parent motherhood is just it is it is grim. The whole I, it drives me nuts parents um you know kind of doing that comparison thing Mm. and having a child that was from very early on we knew toby's got a very high iq and a very high eq which is emotional intelligence so and that's actually kind of it's kind of worse in a way because they're really aware of stuff and so he did his gcse maths when he was eight i think the first time he really wanted to do it he really wanted to do wow. it, and we. That's, he wanted that to do that it is amazing. Though. When he was six, he really wanted to do it, and we said, "Don't be so ridiculous! Don't be so ridiculous!" And then we got help for him, and they said, "Just let him do it." And I kind of wasn't sure, but afterwards, seeing oh, seeing his face when he came out, his smile, he was just, and he hugged me and just said, "Thank you for letting me do it." I just, oh. oh, it was just worth everything. And then he wanted to do his A level maths. He asked for it for his birthday and Christmas present. <laughs> 
because it's not through school. This is because amazing. It, because it's not through school. Because yeah. it's because it's kind of like you obviously have to pay for it. And so I said, it's 300, it's 300 quid. Um, and he said, well, can I have it for my birthday and Christmas? And I said, if you choose it, there's not going to be something else. You Because I just thought, are you really sure you want to do it? Because yeah. I don't think school are going to be overly happy with it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we did it. We thought, okay, this is what he wants. This is what... So he wanted it, he did it, and he got an A. In... And that was when he was, like, 12? That was, yeah, yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. So, for me, I always find it really weird thinking, no no two kids are the same. Mm. And to every every child has got something they're passionate. Every child has got their own interests. So why parents have this thing of trying to compare academics, I find is ridiculous. I just yeah. find it absolute nonsense concentrate on your kids yeah you know i mean i I find the idea of tutoring a bit mad but toby does tutor (laughs) can i just say though if you're in a conversation with other parents and they're comparing and you casually mention yes i have child with high IQ, and then you drop in that they just got an a in their maths a level 12 i think they will probably shut up after that the other parents it's like it's a pretty big but what kind of bugs me is that you is that with academics they put this thing on but I just think there is so much stuff that kids do that is amazing that oh you know mm. we probably wouldn't have done you know like like yours making filmmaking and stuff like that that's incredible you know that's you know they're tiny 12 yeah. 13 is tiny so all of those things that I just think is just like wow you can do that there's nothing that's better and whatever I would not wish a high IQ child on anyone yeah I can I see really, that it, I really wouldn't and I think challenges. probably if he could have it taken away he probably would because it's caused him an awful lot does of, he find it quite isolating at school sometimes yeah um he does he's got a really lovely group of friends Aww, at school, well, that's which great is, which is really which is very sweet um and I'm really that never take for granted because kids don't automatically have yeah it doesn't necessarily always happen no um so i'm really grateful for that but it just means that um he just gets things a lot quicker so Mm. in school there's an awful lot of repetitiveness and stuff and i think he finds that quite frustrating and i think also because people don't understand this is just him yeah you know um there is an awful lot of Brand, branding of well you must be a pushy mum and because I'm brown there's a kind of stereotype of well it must be you because it's never Dave it's, never, it's always me <laughs> um, and it's just I think because people are thinking about well we haven't met a child like this therefore they can't exist and it's just like kids are just individuals just accept you just have to accept what they say and what they're like because you can't just accept it, I mean, this goes along with anything, to, with so many things. I just find it really funny that adults sometimes pick and choose what when they decide to listen to kids. Mm. You know, you, you have to just listen to them. You can't just listen to them over certain things and then just ignore them for the rest of it. Yeah. So, yeah, his, his passion is crazy maths. Yeah, I think also it's anyone would have, only speak to you for a few minutes to understand that it can it completely can come from him, and it's not, I don't get the impression you're there going, come on, let's do this math thing. And I think no. I think it's interesting because, um, funnily enough, I was talking about this with my eight year old on the way in today because he was saying, oh, I've, I'm not really enjoying school at the moment. And I was saying, well, the thing is that it's sort of sort of set up for like the 
the 70% or whatever who learn in quite that conventional yeah. way. And then you've got 30% probably, maybe more actually, yeah. that don't feel like that and they've never felt like that and they never really will. And for them, you just got to kind of keep them going. Obviously, you've got the more um, typical ways that might happen, like if they struggle, like if they are dyslexic yeah. um, or if they have issues with math or something. But then the other side of the coin, kids actually are sort of yeah. feeling things. They're in the, in, Yeah, You're exactly. just dealing with the middle. You're, exactly. not, you're, just you're not dealing, dealing with, that with middle. you here. And you're so encouraged when you're at school. Do you remember what it was like? Oh, my goodness, that yeah. feeling of just... Just not wanting anything to stick out, nothing to be different, yeah. nothing to give you that any sort of unwanted notoriety of anything really. Yeah. It's um, it's you never really have another experience like that in life in that way where you no, just yeah. have to get on with it. And every day, go back in, see those same people, do that same stuff. No, I mean, how? Why anybody <laughs> would ever want to repeat that? I know. I don't know. I mean, I've erased quite a bit of it because I just <laughs> I didn't have an awful time at school. I just found it. It was just. It was just a means to an end, wasn't it? You just mm. did it. Um, and I was useless at school. I was absolutely useless at school. I literally just kind of thought, I really like art. I'll do art. What do I need? Oh, okay, so I do a foundation. What do I need to do a foundation? You have to have an A-level. All right, then. So I'll do an A-level, but you could ha- you had to do two A-levels. So I did A-level art, and then I just kept swapping about when I was in the sixth form and obviously mm. failed the other A-level because I was useless. And, but I'm grateful. I didn't see it at the time. I just felt completely thick. I look back and I just think I should have been grateful for the fact that I had a passion for art. Mm. I should have just been, if I could tell myself anything, it's just, just enjoy that. You've got a passion for that. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what you're doing with Toby, isn't it? Saying, okay, yeah, that's the thing you care got, about. All, everyone, not just, everyone has got a passion for something. And yeah. some people, it just takes them a little bit longer to find. But what parents shouldn't do is prioritise and think academics is above anything. No. Because, and... So many of them do. Yeah, but also we've got hoops that they're supposed to jump through before they can leave school. Like yeah, my my but... eldest struggles with maths and. Did you want to ma- tutor? Oh, well, um, so he has something called dyscalculia, which we've oh, talked okay. yeah, so yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's a bit like dyslexia, but with numbers. Yeah. So he has, yeah. he has a special tutor called Adrian, who's been right. amazing. And sometimes it's about getting that little team of people around them. Yeah. But I think I, if I could have put as many hours and conversations into the thing Sunny adores. It would yeah. have been lovely, but because he has to leave, you have to do that. Don't the GCSE you? maths and yeah. GCSE English. I've spent, you know, so many hours extra time on something he doesn't really no. enjoy and doesn't come naturally. It's a, it's an awkward system, and I I would like to, if I could shift one thing, it'd be not having to have that dictate of that people having to have the maths and the English when they leave. Well, I'm kind of, yeah, I don't, I really don't understand that, and I'm hoping that maybe what lockdown's done is maybe that we might have a shift and not have GCSEs, which would make. Oh, wouldn't sense. that be great? I mean, no, GC. I mean, you know, I mean, I've got a child that loves exams all round, but I just, I don't think, I think GCSEs are really mm. quite pointless. I think if you have some sort of monitoring to say you've done this, you've done this, great, and then anything you're passionate with, you do A levels. But I just think this kind of force, the whole GCSE thing, I think is just crazy. It's just, it, it doesn't make any sense. I can say this because I did so badly in my GCSEs. Um, it's a lot easier, but. Again, that's the thing about parenting is you've got to just look back at your life and you've got to think, how are you and did that affect? But I think I hear now that if you want to do an art foundation, I think somebody said you had to have, you know, maths and English GCSE. Mm. And it's just like, why though? Yeah, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. I mean, I would be really surprised when it comes to art. If you show me an, a non-dyslexic artist, I would be, I'd be quite amazed, to be honest. I don't think that they... If you're any good, I don't think they exist. 
Because I just think there is always something. I just think maybe it's just undiscovered. But And also, I think people don't understand what dyslexia is. They think, but I can read and write, and isn't it about that? And then they don't realise... Yeah, it's processing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's the other thing, is that they don't get that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Let's drop GCSEs. Yeah. And yeah. just to touch, so we talked about dyslexia, which is obviously um, sort of unseen, uh, different way of learning. But yeah. you've also talked about um, disability. And mm. how, how does that affect things when you're a, a parent? Is that something that you feel is... Um, yeah, a- well, it's interesting. My sister um, uh, is, uh, she's disabled. She was got ill when she was 16, 17, and she was bedbound um and again I learned an awful lot of her she had her first when she was 21 she was told she couldn't have kids um she had her first when she was 21 and I watched her and she was she was amazing and actually the hormones in pregnancy kind of helped her and um I could see how different her kids were with her and then I saw so with Toby he was really different with me than he was with um with with, Cat on the table. with 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 Dave, so he used to things like um, when I carried him, he kind of did monkey grip, which was he knew that he had to cling on to me rather than me. Um, you know, my arms were quite bad, so he he did monkey grip on me. Never did it with Dave. When he was out with me, he would. I never had a child that would just wander off or did whatever. When I see kids that just go off and play, I just think, I don't know what that feels like. Mm. Because he nearly would always stay near me, unless there were others. He'd always kind of stay with me. And I was on a med um, for my fibromyalgia that I'm not on anymore, but one of the side effects was narcolepsy, which is randomly falling asleep. Yeah. And when he was little and he was in the pram... I had that, and there were times when I would be pushing the buggy and I'd fall asleep. Oh, wow. There were times when I can remember being in one park and I kind of, like, just woke up and I'd obviously just... It was really dangerous. Um, So I'm quite grateful that he learned to stay with me. Um, But he wasn't like that. He wasn't like that. So he he did know from an early age, but my sister's kids were the same. Mm. They just acted differently with her because they knew from an early age that they kind of had to. Mm. So it's it's fascinating seeing just how much they take to situations. Yeah, that is amazing. Just completely... Yeah, it's amazing how much they just know from really early because he was that was obviously before he was one. And I suppose you just know the things you know if you're not, he hasn't got anything to compare it to. So no, that's it. There must be something. So you're communicating. Yeah, yeah. So it has been. It was just quite difficult because kind of mobility and stuff was quite tricky. Um, I I had um, access to this sort of um, uh, uh, system dialer ride, which was um, accessibility, which is brilliant because. It meant that I could do the embroidery course and, you know, stuff like that, which is great. Um, so there was some bits around. But I think when I was with other people, I, you kind of try and pretend that everything's all right. Mm. And because you look fine, I think people don't... Obviously, even now, I think I've got friends that probably think if I haven't got my walking stick, they probably think I'm fine. It's just like, no, I just don't want to use a walking stick. But mm. the, the pain's there the whole and this is all to do with the fibromyalgia. Yeah, so it was that and it was the endometriosis. The endometriosis, even though... I had a hysterectomy and everything out three years ago. Um, 
still seems to be affecting me. Oh, <laughs> so even though everything's been taken out, it's just like, why are you still affecting me? Um, which is a bit weird, yeah. Tangents again, too many. No, no, you just know you've got a lot of things to talk about. I mean, it's, it's funny because you're one of only two people who've said to me, you should interview me. <laughs> and both of you are artists, which I think oh, is quite right, funny. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But you weren't lying. I mean, there's lots of things you've experienced and without being too corny, I think the, uh, the machine and the free embroidery is quite a good metaphor for how you've had to react and keep going with lots and lots of different things yeah. happening. Yeah. Uh, so it does kind of suit you that that's yeah. something that's, that you're up to. No, you're, up, you're, you're absolutely right. It's just kind of, um, it, yeah, it is weird. I never sort of like really kind of thought about it, but the machine is pretty much, you just have to keep going. But it's going this way and this way. <laughs> But That's now you know, because I know it was well, well, back. You messaged me saying that you were listening to the podcast and it made you quite sad about the job you used to have. Yeah. But do you think that there's elements of what you used to do that you can still incorporate in what you do now? I'm getting there. Mm. Lockdown has. I think this is one thing that I've got from lockdown. Actually, is remembering that person and trying to take. I never would have just kind of like said when you put out things saying what guests. I never would have said, yeah, go on, then me. Um, <laughs> I like it. If it wasn't, I don't know what, I mean, like, if you ask me now, if I, I probably wouldn't do it. It just so happened to be I was reflecting quite a lot mm. and I was thinking, well, hang on a minute. No, just put yourself forward. Just, just, just try this, just try this. Um, and I'm trying to do more of that rather than hide under the duvet. Well, is I quite some... like hiding under the duvet. Yes. But is there something specific you think that would be important to you to... To, to put down on record? I mean, is there someone you're sort of imagining the other end listening? No, I think what I like about um, the podcast that I've been listening to, I just think yours in particular, is when you listen to something and you can kind of... It does go, oh, God, yes, that's how I felt. I, that, that's kind of, you know, that there's somebody out there that... It, it just... When something just kind of hits... The, a feeling. It's interesting to hear about other people. I just think it's when you've got... It's the connection. Mm. And this sounds really corny, but it's just pretty much through lockdown, that's what I have felt everybody's had is connections and realising that connections are everything. Yes. You can, you can be in isolation, but you have those. You, and, and for me, it's almost like a visual. I see threads everywhere. Um, and I think it's... I think it's that... I think it's kind of, um, I've gone off on a tangent, I don't even know what I'm talking no, about. No, the now. connection, I think you're, well, I think what, what I'm getting from what you're saying is that the, the lockdown has, you're right, completely, um, oh, what's that, exaggerated how vital it is for us to feel those connections with people, but also to sort of look at the simplicity of things and... Certainly from my point of view, over the last year, I've, I feel like I've made so many more friends and there are people that I've made little connections with. Yeah. And a lot of that sort of pretense has just sort of dropped down. Oh, my goodness, this cat. This is Titus. He's very annoying. Um, and I think, you know, I was saying it to um, a friend the other day, I feel like so many of those little roles we normally play in society about... You know, if you go into a shop and, okay, I'm playing the customer and you are the, per the person, the shop assistant. And now if you go in, people chat, they'll be like, oh, the weather's nice. Or they'll be like, oh, um, 
yeah, how was your lockdown? Yeah, this, yeah, we've, yeah. we've suddenly got this huge yeah. icebreaker. Yeah. And then you're just two people doing what they do. Yeah. And having those exchanges. And I think it's really nice. It is really nice. And I think the old me, which is the part of me that I don't want, is I was, because I was great at my job, but I wasn't very good at myself. And I can remember having those connections and, you know, you kind of, you're really friendly with presenters and stuff. You really kind of like have that. It's, they're work friends. But I almost felt like when I wasn't working, I just thought, well, they don't want to know me now because I'm not working. And I just thought, well, you know, not going to keep in touch. And that feeling of why would they want to know me? I felt completely worthless. Mm. I felt completely, okay, I'm only worth something if I'm working on that. We've got a, a link. Mm. And now I just kind of like think, it's ridiculous that I thought like that. So I do feel better about myself, definitely. But I kind of, there's a lot of things that I just think not everything is sort of superficial, I guess. But I felt that, I really felt, oh, I can't, you know. I wish I kept in touch. There's a lot of people I wish I kept in touch with, but I just thought, well, they're not going to want to know me now. Especially as I'm not working, oh, they don't want to know me now. I'm working TV, nobody's going to want to know who I am. Um, And then friends find you really boring because you don't have interesting stories. Mm. (laughs) That sort of comes from that feeling of that, that's basically sort of describing... Of insecurity as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, completely. Yeah, I felt like I was defined by what I did. Yeah, I felt like that was me. But it took a good ten years yeah. for me to get out of that. That's a long time. Yeah, to kind of like realize, hang on a minute, that it shouldn't have taken that long. Yeah, yeah. But you also had to deal with an unwanted change in circumstance, and that's yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a pretty big deal. But but no, but I like what you said about when you you get to know yourself better than ever when you become a parent even though you had that bit at the beginning where you felt completely blank again yeah but now through all of that I'm just hearing lots of really nice things about where you're at now in terms of yeah your husband and your son and the work you're doing and how much you're getting from that yeah. again and I'm unbelievably lucky but there's a certain, there is an element of imposter syndrome there because I'm just thinking this can't this what's the cats watch the cats watch the cats and um I think I do feel lucky, and I shouldn't say lucky, I should think we work for this. And there's a lot of things that, as a family, we don't have. But it's really lovely to look at, um, you know, we don't have a you know a huge house in an amazing area and the rest of it, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we're lucky, we're near lots of green spaces and we can get out really easily. And our neighbours are amazing. I mean, our neighbours are just, I mean, through lockdown to have those friendships with neighbours was just, that's priceless to me. That's just priceless. And I feel so, I feel so, so blessed to have what I have. Um, and things aren't, you know, my son's got, he, he, he's going through an awful lot. And, you know, it's hard to watch him go through that. And it's hard, that's the only thing is it's hard when you know that there's nothing you can do. I think as a parent, or as an adult, when you watch a kid that's going through something, you think, I want to be able to help, and I can't. And you mean in I... terms of like adolescence? And lots, of th- lots of things, lots of kind of like different things. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough, because you do just want to, you just want to do everything, don't you? You just kind of yeah. like think, I but want to Yeah, I think that's I the whole thing about things. the teenage thing, isn't it? You've just got to, kind of got to leave the door open so they chat to you, but... You, yeah, and I that's the other thing. I'm incredibly lucky that mine chats to me a lot. Probably because he's he's an only child, maybe. I don't know. So I get 
I kind of get the lowdown on some people. You know, at that age, so many parents just have no clue what's going on. It's just like, well, I can tell you because I, <laughs> I don't know if it's... I've had the lowdown on everything. <laughs> it's probably not only child, but I think it's probably just a testament to how your relationship is, really. I think that's Maybe. just really, really nice. Maybe, yeah. Super lucky. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really... Yeah, I'm really lucky. I'm really grateful for all of it. Um, when is your piece going to be in the Science Museum? When can well, we see it? They've got it. I don't know when it's going to be up. So people are kind of like, oh, it's just like, well, I, I think it's going to be a good few years. I think with the museums now, they're all working on COVID stuff, but yeah. it's like anything. It's just they were also working on a lot of other stuff. Okay. So we don't know when that's... You have to let me know when it's we don't, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't know when that's going to be up. But <laughs> it's, it's exciting that it's in their permanent collection. I never thought that would happen when I first made it. I thought, yes, I want to get this exhibited. And it made me when I was working on it, it made me realise why I make the art I make. And it's very different to how I was making it before. I'm genuinely making it for those connections. I want people to see it. I want their reaction, whatever it is. It's not, I want to just make this and I want to sell it and I want to have it in somebody's home. I want, I want that something back. And I don't think I really realised that before. So I've, yeah, it, it's... It's amazing having that sudden, oh, my God, I see the light now. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Well, that's a good point to end on. And, and I'm going to make another cup of tea so you don't think I'm Thank aloof you. anymore. <laughs> Well, I'm now in a slightly less windy spot. I'm in my own garden. Rich has got the radio on, so if there's anyone to blame for the noise, quite frankly, it's him, not me. Um... Do you know, it's funny, ages ago I did a radio show, maybe I told you this already, I can't remember, and the radio presenter said that she thought I had, what was it called? She basically said, oh, hyper, oh golly, that's annoying. Basically she said, I don't really say um and uh, and I do, I say it all the time and now I'm really aware of it, I'm aware of every time I say um to you. Uh, What was the word she said? Hyper, it was not hyper frequency, that can't be right, what does that even mean? Oh, I'm going to shut up now. This is what happens when you get to the end of 30, 30 episodes of amazing women to talk to. You run out of words yourself. What a, what a pathetic end to the podcast series. I'm not really going to end that way, am I? I'm not. I'm feeling really good about life. I'm very excited. I feel like this third series has been glorious. I've been incredibly privileged and excited by all the people who've said yes to me. And every time I think... Well, you know, is there more? Are there more conversations out there? The answer is yes, of course there blimmin' is. There's hundreds of people to talk to. I'm so excited. I've got an amazing one under my belt already for next series and an amazing list of women who've said yes. And I think you're going to love it. Uh, what a lovely adventure. So I'll see you in about... Well, I say it's basically a month, but it might be a bit longer depending on how long it takes me to get my eggs in a line or whatever the ducklings in order, whatever the phrase is. Wow, I am really firing on all cylinders today. But mainly thank you. Thank you to Richard Jones, my lovely husband, for editing all the podcasts. Thank you to Claire Jones. Not related, but I wish she was. She's gorgeous. My lovely producer and friend who has been my companion throughout all of this. And it wouldn't happen without either of those two. Thank you to Acast for supporting me with all the things I'm doing. What a jammy job, eh? And thank you mainly to you for your suggestions. But mainly your ears. I'll see you in a little bit. Have a lovely May. See you in June. Lots and lots of love.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.